Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. Jurassic Views, Ottawa's Raptors Podcasts. Folks, we are counting down the days. Things are happening very quickly as the season approaches on October 20th. Less than a month away. Happy fall, by the way. October 8th, the preseason begins. October 3rd, again, less than two weeks away. October 3rd, Training camp begins just outside of Vancouver for the Raptors and on October 2nd, media day. And let me tell you, there are still trade rumors swirling around the NBA involving many different teams. But the Toronto Raptors seem to be at the epicenter of a lot of this kind of hurricane conversation, perhaps with a blockbuster deal. Maybe it involves Two teams, maybe it involves three teams, but it is exciting to know that we are right in the middle of it. It's exciting to know that the season is just less than a month away. My gosh, with all that in front of us, it would be tempting to have an episode here to focus on the season that is upcoming, but we're not. We're not going to get tempted. We're not going to be led astray down a road, which is to worry about for tomorrow. Today, we're going to continue our series, this spontaneous series that we've been doing for Canada basketball. We've talked about the ups and downs of the tournament. We've had a chance to hear Zaya Kuena from Nigeria talk about the amazing accomplishment of the Canadian men's team winning a medal at an event this big, whether it be a World Cup or an Olympics, the first time since the 1936 Olympics. It's also the first time, whether men's or women's, that a Canadian senior team has won a medal since 1986. Of course, the women did that. They also did it in 1979 at a World Cup both times. But here the men get a bronze medal, and they do it by beating the United States. Also the first time the men's senior team has beaten the United States since 1936, almost 100 years ago. And so we wanted to hold on to time, soak up this celebration, and be able to continue this series. So Courtney joined me yesterday to have a fun conversation with a young journalist from Ottawa. Very exciting. It's so rare that we get to have journalists from Ottawa talking specifically about basketball. And Alex Adams, who was on the pod with us, had a chance to go to Jakarta, Indonesia. He talks about his experience there, all the emotions of it. And of course, the opportunity to go to the OVO Athletic Center and be part of training camp. It was a whirlwind for him, similar to the whirlwind that it seems the Toronto Raptors are caught up in. But we wanted to focus on Alex's whirlwind opportunity, a once in a maybe a decade opportunity, or maybe the first of many that will come his way as a young journalist. So without further ado, here is Courtney and my conversation with Alex Adams. Courtney, so glad to have you back on the pod. And we have a guest today, very exciting guest, uh, an Ottawa-based journalist, something we always get excited about when we can hype up, uh, big up someone from Ottawa. And, and it's very nice to have someone who's just as passionate about the sport of basketball as we are. 
Alex Adams on the pod, a Lisger grad, I believe. Alex, yeah. how are you this morning? Wow. Oh, my God. How did you know that? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, when did you go to Lisger? Now I have to ask. Or did someone go to Lisger? <laughs> no. Neither of us grew up here, actually. Okay. Okay. No. Okay. Wow. How did you find that out? That is – now I feel – like people like have a like a like a wikipedia page or something um but uh yeah no, uh love ottawa i can i'm staring at beautiful fall uh, uh leaves right now so definitely feel like it's uh late september in in ottawa and thanks so much for having me on uh you know kind of cool to to see what you guys do and um i love that there's an ottawa connection because in the basketball world other than carlton ravens basketball there doesn't feel like there's a lot of ottawa basketball uh kind of connection so cool to and uh, cool to kind of know that and, and thanks for having me on pleasure pleasure well courtney and i have been uh listening to raptors republic podcast the Rapcast, and i set you up on an earlier podcast this week alex oh. saying that you got the chance to kind of host uh canadian basketball um i guess content through the world cup tournament on the Rapcast, and my friend uh that is pretty exciting stuff and we're wanting to know how all this came about and how the heck you got to indonesia yeah um i guess i i don't know if you guys know who scott witter is but he's big in the canada basketball twitter sphere and um basically uh, i've been doing my own podcast behind the play for about a year now i've met a lot of really cool people um made a bit of connections but i haven't really focused on basketball specifically but i've been a huge canada basketball fan um for example when the, the team was announced i had a soccer game and i like made sure to run straight like straight back from it and i recorded it and i didn't check my phone so i wanted to know who was on the roster so that's kind of the the diehard yeah. i guess fan in me um and uh just scott said hey it's uh, was i think he just tweeted it just said hey it's it's not that expensive considering to to get to jakarta and he's like you should apply for media credentials i got in touch with raptors republic they kind of you know said you're good to go with us and within a week and a half i i found out that i got media credentials booked flights everything the you know hotels the whole nine yards and within Within a month and a half, I'm I'm there. Uh, well, within actually a couple of weeks, I'm already at the training camp, and then I'm at uh, at the event itself. So it was pretty quick, um, oh. and and very very lucky and very very fortunate. I, I you know this isn't because of you know how talented I am or anything like that. Um, just kind of things kind of went the right way, and. Um, yeah, very cool and very surreal to have done it and to be around NBA players and to see the team make the Olympics. Uh, the the fan in me was pretty, like RJ Barrett was jumping up in joy. So it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I've never been to Indonesia myself. When you arrived on site, was there like culture shock? Did you get the sense <laughs> right away that this was going to be like a big hoops nation? What was it like? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely had my welcome to asia indonesia moment uh when i got off the, the the plane got a taxi the the hotel was maybe 40 minutes away from the airport and um let's just say uh i thought i you know got into a taxi and then i realized that the guy that kind of lured me in uh with like a middleman and then there's bartering involved because there's an actual driver in the car and then I'm driving along uh, these, like, uh, it was in the middle of the night when I got there. And the, the driver's half awake and keeps swerving. And I'm thinking, this is not how I want to die. So it was, it was, that was my welcome to Asia moment. Um, I, I wouldn't have said I, I loved Jakarta, but it was really cool just to be um, in a very different world. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I, I somewhat expected it, but until you, you see it, it's, you never really know and it just there's a ton a ton of people in jakarta um it's pretty hot um there's like forty thousand vespas within a kilometer radius 
Um, it's just very, very different um, than Canada. Uh, so not a lot of comparison between the countries. Um, the food mm. really cool. The people were, were pretty nice, but just very different. Um, uh, and I was quite close to the arena where my hotel was. So there was like a daily walk but then that got impeded because the air quality got really bad so oh, wow yeah it was just it was just a different sort of thing met a lot of cool journalists and everything so um i didn't i wouldn't have said i was sightseeing but i was working so, um at the same time i don't feel like i missed out on anything because my my job there was to to cover the team so i, I tried to do that as best as i could now, I, I know a lot of uh, Filipino people here in Canada or people who have Filipino heritage. And I know that the Philippines is a big uh, hoops nation. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium from Indonesians, Indonesians themselves? Because we don't know them to be, you know, big basketball fans. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have said they were the, the biggest basketball nation, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Um but I would say that um, you saw a lot of people would come in like locals clearly that had maybe LeBron jerseys or Steph Curry jerseys. Um, I would say shout out to the Latvian fans because they brought a lot of them. Uh, wow. They were definitely the tour de force at uh, in terms of fandom at the at the tournament. Um, there was a whole section of Latvian fans when Canada played Latvia and when Latvia played like France, Spain, it really felt like it was in Latvia, just with the the, the drums, the banging, the screaming. Uh, it was it was really cool. You just saw Porzingis jerseys everywhere, or Bertans, or whatever. <laughs> so it was it was really cool, and there was a lot of Latvian media as well. So um, that's kind of the like the, what I take from the tournament in terms of fans was just how great the the Latvian traveled to the tournament, and it was pretty cool because they brought that atmosphere that. If, if mm. some other team might not have had um so to shout out to the latvians and shout out to my my three or four latvian friends as well that i made on the trip <laughs> wow for such a small country too like not even two million people that's incredible it, yeah it is and uh, they're big hockey fans so I, I they they had a celebration when they won the bronze last summer or last kind of may uh in mm -hmm. And so they were talking about that and then how they had a big crowd for when Latvia came back uh, for the basketball. I think five, ten thousand 10,000 people came out to, to show love. Um, and I think it was a national holiday. I'd have to text my Latvian friend to check on that because that was like two weeks ago. But yeah, uh, pretty big and it was really cool. Dang. Well, we'll have to fact check that after the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I guess going from there, like uh, timing wise, you probably spent most of your time inside the arena and viewing people. What was the kind of overall? Did you have a big takeaway from the whole thing other than obviously the bronze medal? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was so many experiences. I would say just being around the players is interesting, watching them in practice. Um being in the media rooms and having a past, you feel like there's, you know, you're some, for some reason, a special person, which, you know, is interesting and getting media requests, um, trying to get media requests. Um, I would say just the, the kind of the things that I, I found were really cool. I developed a bit of a relationship with the CEO of Canada basketball, which was nice. Ooh, wow. Um, Mike Bartlett, like nothing crazy, but like, you know, um, definitely know each other now. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not easy getting NBA players to, to talk, to do interviews. Um, yeah. But for, for Jurassic Views, I will say um, it's not an exclusive because I've said this before, but I, I developed a relationship <laughs> with Bruno Caboclo, which was really, really cool. Um, right. Just because, uh, you know, as, as you guys must have remembered, um, Raptors legend, uh, I still remember him wearing, I think he wore five the the beginning i'm not sure but um was right. i still remember him you know he kind of was got drafted when the team started to ascend and um just i had an interview with him i talked to him before the canada game and he kind of wanted to be canada a little bit uh to show in the face <laughs> of raptors fans he said that um a little bit i'm gonna you know tongue-in-cheek and uh, <clears throat> and then I kept seeing him everywhere. So we'd, we'd kind of say hi and dap me up. And so it was pretty cool. <laughs> and then on the we actually had the, you know, Brazil being 
Brazil, they, uh, uh, I mean, no offense, but the, their seven foot players were an economy uh, to, to on one of wow. the legs of the trip. So when I went back on the way back, I was with one, I bumped into Bruno and we had this conversation about how the ref screwed him against Latvia. And then, <laughs> and then uh, on, uh, on the way back, he's, you know, he was in front of me in economy and uh, he, he just kind of waited around a little bit. And he, he said, uh, you know, have a great flight and, and I hope you have a good time getting back home or something like that. And it was oh, really kind and, and nice. So, um, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was, it was, that was pretty cool. Like 15 year old self would be kicking and screaming. Mm. So that was, that was pretty cool. I was just going to say my 28 year old self would be kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like... that was, that was true. Uh, and he was amazing in the tournament. Uh, he was one of the, I think he won best player when Canada beat player of the game when, uh, mm -hmm. Brazil beat Canada. So he was really good. I thought he could, he's still an NBA type player, you know, maybe, teams have soured on him but him at center was definitely causing a lot of problems for Canada uh, against when he was going up against NBA players so uh, yeah it was pretty cool to develop that relationship I had a sit down with Sergio Scariolo that I I really am proud of I thought I it was an interesting interview and talking about his relationship with Kyle Lowry Marcus Saul getting to the Raptors um, Nick Nurse uh, winning the title uh, Jordy Fernandez actually came in. We were at a hotel and he like came in uh, midway through. I had to delete that out, of course, um, although a lot of it was in Spanish. But uh, um, so and he was Jordy was kind of like griping on him saying, you know, get, get him to say something bad or something like that. I don't know. I forget exactly. But it was a very, very funny exchange. And uh, what was interesting was uh, I had heard that he was second in line for the Raptors job. And um what I the throwaway question at the end of the interview led to something very interesting. He's an Inter Milan fan, which is a big soccer team in Europe, the Champions League final. And he said that he found out he didn't get the job um, like 10 minutes before Manchester City scored in the finals against them. It was a really, really tough, uh, you know, day for him to see Milan lose and find out he didn't. Um, you know, get uh, and uh, and now he just got fired in, from his team in in Italy. So I, I wow. my fault, um, or something I don't know. It was <laughs> Adam's curse, but uh, yeah, I just uh, um, that was really cool. And he was, you know, talking about how players respected him more because he was a coach, like a head coach in in Europe. And so, like, I think he said Kyle Lowry kind of would call him, and other players would call him like head coach because a lot of coaches in the NBA you're, you know, you're the offensive coach or you're the defensive mm. coach. Like you think of like Mike D'Antoni, obviously he's a head coach, but he's known for his offensive schemes, right? Mm -hmm. And so coaches are kind of pigeonholed to, I don't know if that's the right phrase, but they're they're stuck with whatever they're kind of identified as in terms of offense, defense. And because he was an uh, a head coach in Europe, people thought of him as more a complete coach almost. So that was an interesting little tidbit. And and I, I think he was, uh, when he came to the NBA and he saw Kyle Lowry cussing out everyone, he was like, oh, this, he basically said it without saying it. So um, <laughs> you can aggregate me. But uh, he, he definitely said there was like a welcome to the NBA moment of like, wow, this is what practice is like in the NBA. That's interesting. So um, that, was, that was a really cool moment. I, I interviewed Jordy Fernandez as well. Um mm -hmm. You know, he's a very serious guy. Um, uh, you know, I would, I uh, thought I had funny questions and he wouldn't, he didn't really bite on them. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a tough uh, cookie to crack, but, uh, um, but was very professional and, and everything. But that was kind of cool as well. No doubt. I, uh, I found that you asked really thoughtful questions. It wasn't just your standard, like, what's your, approach to coaching this team what are the guys like to work you went deep you went very personal how did you kind of conceptualize like what you wanted to get from these interviews with like a guy like Jordy Fernandez yeah um you just do your homework uh you know I, I watched he he talked about I watched YouTube videos of him I think he was a summer league coach for Sacramento like two years ago uh he's their associate head coach um, and he talked about how he loved cooking with his wife. So I'm like, okay, well, 
that's something I ask. And I think my question was like, how good of a cook are you compared to a, a coach? That was my intro. Didn't bite on it, but he gave an answer. Um, so yeah, you see, you laughed. I, he didn't. Um, but I'm uh, not that serious. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, so that just I just say do your homework. You do a little bit of research. Um, like those are the types of things that really help. Um, and also just as like icebreakers too, right? You know, oh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know this person, or you went to this, or you find a connection. Because at the end of the day, um, if you're just asking, so why does your shot? Why did you miss all those threes? Or why did the team fall apart in uh, in the fourth quarter? And they don't know you. They don't know that you are more than just trying to get a quote from them or whatever. Um, that tends to work. Um, so I think just do your homework, do your research, think about it, ruminate with it. Um, those are maybe the, the, the kind of tips I'd give. Um, yeah. That's really cool. Now for the Canadian team in general, uh, you know, they were picked handpicked by Indonesia to mm-hmm. be in <clears throat> Indonesia. And, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was obvious if people had watched enough FIBA basketball that Canada was going to be in tough. At what point during the tournament were, were you thinking was maybe even the crowd, um, some of the media feeling like, okay, these guys are legit and they could have a serious run at the podium? Um, <clears throat> as soon as Dylan Brooks got MVP chance against France, I thought they're going to win the gold. Um, no, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, they did pick them. There was promotion everywhere for Canada. Um, I think mm. Mike Bartlett was telling me that they were doing, pro- uh, the CEO of Canada basketball, that they were doing promotions calling uh, Canada as Indonesia's team. Um, I mean, they did pick them to be fair. Um, yeah. so yeah, um, I, w- I would say the France moment made me feel, okay, they're probably going to make the quarterfinals and they're probably um, <clears throat> on their way to the Olympics. Um, the Brazil game uh, and until the fourth quarter of the Spain game made me not feel like that was as likely. But uh, I really thought that France game was a, you know, a welcome to the tournament and really put Canada on the map as a contender. Um, and if you look at people, including myself, I said, if Canada beats France, they probably make the quarters, probably make the Olympics. Canada loses mm-hmm. France, they probably don't make the quarters, and they probably don't make the Olympics. So I really thought that game was super important. I Now, I did not expect the hiccup of uh, Brazil and, and even Spain to a different um, degree. So, uh, yeah, the expectations within the group, they always talked about going, I think it was eight and oh or nine and oh i don't know they wanted to win the gold um, yeah <clears throat> you can hear them even after when they won the bronze I, I still think they were pretty ecstatic to beat the americans but <laughs> kelly said you know it wasn't our goal to to win we wanted to win the gold but this is a pretty nice consolation prize um just paraphrasing so overall really good um amazing performance by the team amazing result uh, and, uh, you know, they, they got the job done. Uh, and sure, it might not have been a gold medal, but uh, a bronze and beating the U.S. is, is pretty nice. And, you know, uh, maybe Memphis regrets, uh, you know, letting go of Dylan Brooks <laughs> the same way. I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he can shoot. I know people think he can't, but in practice, I will say this. He was Canada's best three-point shooter. Like, he would, he would mm-hmm. go consistently like seven, eight of ten kind of thing better than mm-hmm. kelly bellet better than shea better than maybe Nikhil too like he he really mm-hmm. shot the ball really well and maybe his form's a bit funky but um i mean i don't think he's going to shoot 58 percent from three uh <laughs> in the nba in a long season but i think he could get closer to, to close to 40 i think that's reasonable yeah well that game against the states i mean i was confident Sheesh. we were gonna win i was not expecting dylan brooks to be the star of the show 39 points like we know as Jordy has said several times I do agree he was the best defensive player in the tournament but he is such a strong two-way player and he really really Mm. showed it in that game yeah and I think a lot of that obviously you shoot seven and eight from three uh you're gonna 
score a lot and if you know you shoot 58 percent from three you're going to be an offense you're going to score a lot of points and be good offensively but I would say the thing with him and my worry and I feel Canadian fans were more worried about RJ Barrett throughout the tournament and his shot selection Mm. but for for Dylan Brooks was my question going in was he obviously brings the defense I think I, I thought the Memphis stuff was a bit overdone um mm-hmm. he probably should have faced the media a little bit but i was just like is he just gonna jack shots is he gonna take mm. all these step back threes and sure he did in in, in the tournament he did take a couple shots but he maybe averaged two step backs a, a game it wasn't as though he was just going crazy he'd give up the ball a fair bit he wasn't looking for a shot all the time and maybe that's because he's not trying to make 80 million dollars and going gunning for his next contract i don't know but I thought his shot selection was the biggest reason for why he was so effective because a lot of the time, like if you watch the the game against um, against Spain, he took a bunch of hard shots, but against uh, the U.S., a lot of them were he just has a wide open shot. He made, I think, two step back threes that were pretty uh, tough. But other than that, it was like <laughs> at the start of the game, the U.S. would would double Shea or, or send help, and then he just got a wide open three in rhythm. And it's like, He's an NBA player. He can shoot. He can make those. So um, he, I thought his finishing around the rim was really good, something I didn't really know that he had in his bag. Um, he shot pretty well from the two-point line as well, not just the three-point line. So that was something interesting to see. Not a great passer, but he he made a couple nice passes uh, in the paint a couple times to, to Dwight Powell. Um, he'd have his boneheaded pass where you're thinking, you know, there was a glitch on 2K, but other than hmm. that, he was – he was really, really good. And as you said, the defense was always there other than foul trouble and mm-hmm. officiating. Uh, I don't want to say it makes me love NBA officiating, but it's definitely worse than NBA officiating. So um, wasn't always his fault. So overall, uh, <clears throat> amazing tournament, amazing way for him to cap it off and, and really happy for him because, uh, you know, I never was really in doubt with him as a player um, like a lot of people were. Um and and he he really took in the the villain status and uh, shut up a lot of Americans. So it'll be interesting to see what he'll be like in the NBA uh, this year because mm-hmm. that's going to be really really fascinating. Yeah, I'll be watching closely for sure. I honestly I didn't think he deserved the eighty six million, but I'm kind of <laughs> reevaluating a little bit. I'm still not totally certain that's a. Uh, We'll see if he rises to the challenge, but either way, super pumped for him. Love that he shouted out his haters and thanked them for pushing him <laughs> so much. Um, I mean, Dylan and Shay were kind of the stars of the show, rightfully so. Both very consistent players, got the job done consistently. Shay's Instagram caption game is unbelievable. Uh, but uh, yeah. in terms yeah. of the team itself, a lot of the other guys have been around longer. They've been of Harper and trying and failing and trying and failing. Uh, this morning, Jordy Fernandez was on the show with Will Liu, and he was talking about the team. And he was talking about making Kelly Olenek team captain and mm-hmm. basically said that he considers Dwight Powell to be just as much of a captain as Kelly. Huh. They've both been around mm-hmm. for so long. They've both been so consistent, showing up year after year, traveling to all these places in the middle of February. Do you, how does that sit with you? If you had to say like who leaped off the court, would you agree yeah, with that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, I'm definitely missed that, uh, that podcast. So I'm going to check that out. Oh, um, mm-hmm. but uh, shout out to Will Lou, really nice guy. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what I would say to that is I just think about when the, the leadership core of, of, of how much it meant to, to Dwight Powell. And I know, I think the Mavs a couple times didn't want him to, to play for Canada a couple summers. And he, he you know, Rick Carlisle didn't want him to, but he, he would always talk. I think he told Doug Smith of the star about that, that the fact that he'd come back to the Mavs and Luca would say how great he was for Slovenia or JJ Barea would give him gripe. And he, he didn't want to keep hearing it in the locker room. So I think a, a third place and, and beating the Americans is, is probably going to help. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, talked i tried to talk to him in the scrum after uh they beat the the, Sp- the spanish and they made the olympics and he was visibly emotional like he, he was like no no i can't and like i didn't see tears but 
they felt like they were coming. And um, I think there's video of him in the locker room after the game being pretty emotional. So you can tell how much it meant to him. Um, and, and same with Kelly, right? He was there in 2010 when they lost to Lebanon and then they beat them by what was it like 50 something points. Yeah. So that he's really seen the evolution of this program and, and where they've come from. I think they didn't win a game in 2015. I could be, or 2010, sorry, I could be wrong. And both, um, you know, both of them were there in 2015. Dwight Powell was there in 2021. So Dwight Powell's really felt all the heartbreak and, um, I think those two would be the, the leaders. I'd probably throw in Melvin Edgem a lot. If you, when you ask players about guys they know, they always talk about Melvin Edgem as kind of a leader. And um, I'd really like him on the roster as maybe the twelfth man because you're probably not going to play twelve players yeah. at the Olympics. And that'd be kind of a shout out to the old guard and also just they all know him, right? Like I think Melvin mm-hmm. told me that he knew RJ when he was 12 at one of the camps because wow. <laughs> Rowan was there and they were there in uh, Shea and, and RJ were there in 2016 in uh, the Philippines, actually, when they lost in the qualifying tournament to, to France. So he's known a lot of these guys for a long time. But um, those three, I'd say, were the the head of the, the snake, I guess, as a leadership core. Okay. Um, obviously, when you go through the, the type of low of the Brazil game. And then of course the high of the Spain game, you see a little more personality, a little more emotion as you're describing with Dwight Powell. Could you see the chemistry kind of build throughout the tournament? And and who did you see chemistry build maybe the most within among the players uh, as the tournament went on? Um, I would say offensively, it felt as though they're, uh, I don't even know. I, I, if you're asking just about chemistry, I think they just learned the FIBA game more. They, they had that continuity, right? Like this was a new team, essentially. Uh, I mean, some of the guys played together last summer and then some mm-hmm. guys were in 21, um, like RJ and Dort that weren't there last summer. Um, so there was some chemistry pal as well, but for the most part, um, they really grew together as the tournament went on and and sure they had the disappointing losses to brazil and to serbia but it felt as though they got better throughout the tournament um and and just i I think just they learned a lot right um Mm -hmm. we always a lot of people before the tournament was like well they don't have any experience in fiba uh you know they don't know what it's like to to be in those tough situations and and thankfully to because of Shea and Dylan uh, specifically, they were able to get out of that Spain game when it felt as though this was like, here we are again. Canada has the more talent, probably the better team if they played seven games, but they're just going to lose to a a smarter veteran-laden team in the Spanish, and they figured it out, right? And those are the things that going into Paris, I think Canada will have an advantage because they're going to have the talent like they have in, in past cycles, but they're going to have that experience, right? And maybe it's not exactly the same team. At the same time, it's going to be, I'd imagine all seven NBA guys are going to be there um, and then probably add to it, uh, barring injury, of course. So that's what I really think they learned was how to play FIBA. Most of their players are, are young. Like Dylan Brooks, I guess, is the veteran. He's 27. He's just entering his prime. Shea's 25. Nikhil's, I think, 25. RJ's the young buck and he's what 23 um yeah. Dort's 24 25 uh i'm forgetting someone but um obviously kelly and, and Olenek are a bit older in their 30s but for the most part the core of this team's young and mm-hmm. are just learning how to play the game uh fiba game and when we play for example the americans um sure some of them know fiba but they haven't played all together we'll actually have continuity which has been the biggest stumbling block it's felt like for this team and this program is the lack of continuity and i think in paris we'll see more of that because of this tournament and uh also we have to thank our, our lucky stars that shea gilgis alexander is canadian and <laughs> went to the olympics and gave him a lot of grief um and i think that's why he he showed up and, and was mm. I, I voted for it he was the mvp of the tournament in my mind so um yeah 
Well, I think he was the MVP of the tournament in a lot of folks' minds. I can only speak yeah. for myself, but definitely. It was super <laughs> cool, by the way, that you got a vote. Like, yeah, what a no, privilege. Was, what an I, honor. Not, I did not expect that, but uh, it was pretty cool, yeah. It's unreal. And, yeah, I mean, as you said, they obviously learned a lot throughout the tournament. Uh, didn't quite go exactly how they wanted it to, but walking away with bronze is still a victory in my mind. And jumping up the FIBA ranks. I'll be honest, I thought we were going to make it to the top five. When I saw we were ranked six now, I was like, obviously, it's a big leap. I'm happy about it. But at the same time, uh, what's it going to take for us to get into that top five or top three? What do we have to do between now and Paris? And I'm talking like roster moves, coaching, what's got to give? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the rankings are more just based on results, right? So if Canada gets a medal at the Olympics, I'm, I'd imagine they'll be top five, probably closer to three. Uh, if they like if. The, they, the the good thing for Canada is that actually people might not know this, but the FIBA World Cup, the, the ranking points are weighted more than the Olympics. So coming third at the FIBA World Cup for the next, let's say, five years, uh, I believe it's every eight years. Those are how the rankings kind of carry over. And, you know, most recent have the most power or the most weighted, but then by tournament, by um, who you beat, et cetera. Um, and because Canada beat the number one team in the world. They beat the number two team in the world, the Americans, who are now number one uh, because Spain fell out. But um, it's going to be really helpful for Canada. One, if you just look straight to Paris, they're going to have an easier draw. Um, they're not going to have to be in a group of death, which it feels like they've been yeah. every single time they go to a World Cup or a qualifying tournament or et cetera. Um, and then if they do well in Paris, they're going to be closer to that top, echelon and i'd imagine if they make the semifinals, they'll be top five in the world um and and the tournament's quite different uh compared to the world cup because there's less teams i it'd be almost an, i i don't want to say impossible but it'd be very tough for this team not to make the quarterfinals then you just have to win one game and then you're in the semis right so um sure you can lose that quarterfinal game but it's a bit easier like a quicker road to go deeper right um so uh, overall, this team should be sixth or higher in the world. Um, they showed it. They were the third best team at the FIBA World Cup. And um, hopefully uh, this is the start of many, which I really think it is. Um, because I know I've heard about guys like Shaden Sharp or Leonard Miller, um, other guys wanting to come play for Canada. And I'm sure Rowan Barrett will have a lot of guys reach out to say, hey, I want to be yeah. in. <laughs> in in Paris, right? And once yeah. you see that happen, and, and I think the Olympics will be so big for this program just to be um, at the forefront of people's minds. Obviously, the Olympics is bigger than just basketball, but at the same time, um, I know a lot of people who reached out to me that were so inspired from 2000, right? Um, and how mm -hmm. the, the, the Steve Nash and Todd McCullough and Rowan Barrett and Sherman Hamilton, all how, how well they did. Um, but there's going to be that next generation. And the good thing is we have the most NBA players outside of the U.S., right? Like it's not – this isn't a fluke. This this should be the, the case that, as Mike Bartlett told me, it's not – we don't get excited when we make the Olympics. It's the expectation, right? <laughs> and yeah. so I think going forward, we should expect in men's basketball to always feel as though a medal should be the goal. Um, it would be cool to, to be gold medal. I, I think that's definitely – possible at the paris olympics i don't think that's me being hyperbolic but um yeah it's it's we're in a new age of canadian men's basketball mm -hmm. someone's gotta win it why not us <laughs> exactly. now this is uh, my own kind of bitterness and grievances are going to come through here a little bit but do we <laughs> need an andrew wiggins to get the job done is there a version of this roster that he's not on that could walk away with gold or silver or even bronze at the olympics uh, I think they can get a medal without Wiggins. Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, he has played for the program a lot, um, more than Jamal Murray. I will note that. Um, so, yeah, I think him and Jamal Murray, like if I was Rowan Barrett, I say, okay, I add Murray, I add Wiggins, I keep the seven NBA players, I'm at nine. Hopefully add a big. Maybe that's Kyle Alexander or Zach Eady. Probably if you could get someone else, that'd be great too. Um but those are the kinds of, like, if you have that roster, you have Shea, S, uh, Jamal, Wiggins, I think 
Canada is as good as the Americans in a lot of ways, even if they bring a super team and LeBron says it's the last dance when it's not. Um, <laughs> it's uh, just because th- those guys haven't played together, right? And um, Wiggins has played with a bunch of these guys. Obviously, Jamal hasn't, but it's not like you're incorporating 10 new guys together, right? This core, mm-hmm. as I just mentioned, has played together. Um, definitely will be upsetting the Apple card in a lot of ways in terms of role. Like, I don't think Dylan Brooks will have enough of the ball to score 39 points, but um, I'm sure he'd probably be happy to, to get a lot of open shots because uh, Shea and and, S- um, and, and Jamal are, are getting doubled and getting all the attention. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I see it. I don't think they need Wiggins, um, but... I think if I was Rowan Barrett, I would add him to the roster because he's another wing. He brings defense. He brings rebounding, which is underrated on this team that they lacked. He brings shooting. This team, the problems were lack of shooting, not a lot of rebounding, um, and and obviously experience as well. Um, and and playmaking is was another problem, which I think Murray would really adept, uh, bring less so Wiggins. So. Uh, to answer your question, I don't think they need him, but I would take him, and I think that would add, would really help to their chances of, of winning a gold medal. Uh, but I don't think they need him to get a medal, if that makes any sense. No, totally. Fair enough. And I recognize I have to put my own selfish feelings and opinions aside and say, <laughs> do we want to win? I want the players that are going to get us the gold or the best results possible. So Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. Uh, Alex, I know that uh, when it comes to the roster, uh, there's been lots of talk on uh, the depth at the big man position. And I know that Zach Eady didn't get a lot of minutes in this tournament, knowing that we may get uh, Wembenyama and Embiid on France, although who knows, the Americans might take Embiid, knowing that Jokic is going to be part of the tournament. And of course, guys, uh, are all, it's always possible that guys like Jonas Valanciunas and and even Giannis Antetokounmpo will be in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is is Zach Eady? And ha- did you see any flashes, whether in warmups or the limited time he had, that maybe he could be an effective guy coming off the bench? Yeah, I you know we talked about Bruno. He's maybe two years away from being two years away. <laughs> I think I think with Eady. Um, I don't mean to denigrate him. I, he was really seemed like a really nice guy being around him a little bit, but um, I just don't think he has the foot speed right now. And maybe the, the, like he's still only 21. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I see him more as a, uh, as a, a Los Angeles in terms of the 2028 Olympics. And that's like yep. in 2027. Yep. I think it would make a lot of sense. And maybe he's not good enough at that time, or he never develops in the way you'd want but he'd be an interesting guy to have on the team to play significant minutes i don't i'm after watching him i was a bit more ambivalent i had only seen him a bit at purdue but watching him at the world cup i just don't think he has the foot speed and maybe the know-how to um maybe offset his lack of foot speed in the fiba game against smart teams um like the u.s they put him in against the u.s and i think they went on like a 15-0 run right uh, he got carved up against Serbia as well. Mm. So I, I just don't think he's he's ready yet. Um, but maybe maybe in five years or, or at the next mm-hmm. up, he will be. Um, and, and for me, I wouldn't have him on the roster in, uh, in, in Paris. Uh, that's just how I see it, unless you literally have no other big guy. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm mindful of the time here. I don't want to keep you all day. I know you're a I wonder like for me watching the whole tournament I had a lot of moments where you were talking about Dwight Powell earlier getting a bit emotional that was me watching at home I was mainly pumped excited devastated after the Brazil game I held it together until the moment that Dwight Powell started breaking down in the locker room mm-hmm. and it was kind of like the whole you know, the last 20 years of my life, I was five years old when we were uh, at the Olympics last, like, I think that's when it clicked for me, what was happening. Mm -hmm. And I just broke Mm -hmm. down, like Mm -hmm. lost it. What was your, like, was there a pinnacle moment throughout the tournament? Like whether it was your time in Jakarta or when you were watching the game in Manila, was there like 
a big aha moment for you of like, oh my God, what just happened? I would say I felt it more when I was in Toronto. Um, I went to the training camp and I walk in and there's Doug Smith, there's Michael Grange. I knew Eric Corrine a little bit, um, Warren Weisfeld. They're all in this media room and I'm thinking, what? why am I here? Uh, <laughs> I felt imposter syndrome big, big time. Hmm. Um, shout out to S. Barahini, who was like kind enough to, I was like, so how does the scrum work? How do you do this? And he was, him and Oren kind of took the time and, and kind of helped me out. Um, so... I mean, I'm, I'm missing people who were there too, but um, just uh, Arash Madani gave me a lot of help as well. Um, but wow. more in, 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 in Jakarta, he, he, I became really good friends with him. I knew him a little oh, bit man. actually before the tournament. Um, he had been on my podcast. Uh, we know some people, but uh, yeah, Arash is a, a great character. Um, but yeah, I would just say going into the OVO center and looking at the Noah arc or whatever it's called, the, the shooting thing. Um, that you see up and uh, just seeing like Shay, Jamal, Dylan, and they're right in front of you. And, you know, I'm a huge basketball person. Uh, definitely felt starstruck. Um, mm. And then asking questions. My first question, Kelly did not like. He said, you should just ask coach. Um, everyone laughed. That was fun. I uh, don't want to <laughs> remind myself of that. Um, but I got into it, you know, asking Shay a question. I asked Jamal Murray a question, and he was like, Oh, you remember when I was at the Pan Am Games? Yeah. And I'm like, Yep, I do. And that was his answer. <laughs> uh, and, you know, seeing anyway. So just th that was really, really cool for me. Um, hmm. Very, yeah, I, I, I felt like I don't know why I'm here, but um, very lucky. Wow. In, in Jakarta, I would say, um, you know, like, after a certain while, you get pretty used to being around players. I still felt a bit nervous. It didn't. It didn't feel super common. And because, um, if I'm being honest, I didn't have a lot of access to them outside of the media availability. So it's a bit hard to kind of feel like I, like it. It still felt like they didn't really know me. Um, so yeah, and just getting to know Jordy a little bit, um, Mike Bartlett. I interviewed Roan Baird as well. Um, mm. so just being around the team, I think just what was cool was maybe before every game, I, I sit, watch a rash do me, uh, to do TV and prepare and I just be in the arena and then Mike Bartlett would come and we'd talk and that was just really cool. Just being kind of mm. on the court before games. Um, uh, but yeah, like I have, I, there's so many different experiences. I, I wouldn't say necessarily one jumps out. Um, very proud of the, the Sergio Scariolo thing um interview mm -hmm. that i did but um yeah I, I think i think the one where i felt starstruck was more toronto um and then when i, I got to jakarta there was only two of us uh and scott witter um so uh it was a bit less of kind of it felt a bit less starstrucky um but just mm -hmm. to i think the first couple days you know I, I talked to lou dort and dwight powell and zach Eady like one-on-one -on -one a little bit with arash and I still felt like, whoa, like, what am I doing? Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, but I'd say by the end, it felt it felt more natural and it felt it made sense. And um, yeah. And by the time you're in yeah. Paris with the team next summer, you'll be golden. Let's, no more hope. let's, let's, let's push through. I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to get accreditation and it's not easy, but um, I, I hope to be there. That's that's my number one goal in life right now. Um, so we'll, we'll see hopefully well for what it's worth i really adored your coverage throughout the tournament Thank you. i have tweet notifications on for waj and shams and throughout the tournament i had mine on for you no way, no way. you're the third person ever oh that, <laughs> that i put my notifications on for i was kind. loving it i think that that definitely made my day i've never that that makes me feel um that that's cool thank you that uh, means a lot um not that you need needed to do that, but uh, I appreciate that uh, deeply. Um, yeah, so um, I mean, yeah, it was just a cool tournament, and I hope to be in Paris. And uh, FYI, I'm doing everything I can to be there. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, it works out. We'll be crossing our fingers for you for sure. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of your work, speaking of your work, uh, there will be lots happening before Paris. Where can people find you who are listening to the pod? 
Yeah, uh, shameless plug. Um, I will be uh, doing some work for Raptors Republic. Um, probably kind of doing post-game pieces. Um, I don't know if I'll do any kind of feature stuff, but doing a little bit of Raptor stuff. Obviously, this is a Raptors podcast, or, or it could be a dinosaur podcast if people don't know because it's about the Jurassic uh, <laughs> era. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll do a lot of stuff for Raptors Republic. and then, But I'll, I'll probably do more for my podcast behind the play. Um, I had Brian Windhorse, which is a pretty cool guy to have on. Talked a little bit about the Raptors. Um, I think myself and him are <laughs> agree on maybe the direction of this team the past couple of years. Uh, so people can check that out at behind the play. Uh, feel free to like and subscribe. Um, it means a lot. Um, and I'll have more basketball stuff coming out there and, and at Raptors Republic. If people are hockey fans or baseball fans, I have other stuff coming out. I'll have Ron McLean, hopefully Steve Dangle, I'm trying to think of other people. Maybe Ramona Shelburne. Maybe Omri oh, Masuk. Wow. Um, those are in the works. We'll see if I can get them over the, the the finish line, like I could with the Brian, thankfully. So those are kind of what to expect. And um, yeah, uh, my show's pretty. All Canadian sports are kind of in this Canadian sports landscape. So if you're a sports fan, have a lot of cool people going on. Have a Blue Jays writer, Scott Mitchell of TSN. He's on. Um, uh, I think Monday, um, so so people can check that out if you, if you like the Blue Jays and you're um, riding the wave of their season so far. So uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's my shameless plug and, and feel free to follow me at Alex Adams BTP on Twitter. It just means behind the play because there's forty thousand Alex Adamses. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. But uh, thanks so much for having me on. Have me on whenever you want. And uh, I appreciate it uh, very much so that uh, you were nice enough to invite me on. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate everything that you do. I'm actually literally going to go watch your Brian Windhorst interview right now. Thank you. Uh, Can I ask, are you both in Ottawa? I lived in Ottawa for the last 10 years. Uh, I went to Carleton, dropped out after my first year. It was a whole thing. All good. Um, Were you in journalism? I was not. I was in okay. public affairs and policy. Management, oh, yeah, I know that. I went to Carleton, exactly. so I, I know that. Oh, okay. yep. <laughs> I was a Papam kid. And yes, it's as boring and useless as it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I didn't so that. much dropout. I just, you know, started working in marketing. But I'm now living in the GTA. I'm in Georgina, okay. right on Lake Simcoe. But cool. I'm in Ottawa frequently. It's still my home. So oh, when cool. I'm in town next, I'll hit you up. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I don't do dreaming, boy, I'm on your function, I'm on your function.